Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Isn't that music wonderful? Alex, Sonia, and Sophia, and, and we've got uh, the, the piano players. I mean, what a joy to see people coming up here and allowing us to congregationally and as a family just sing our hearts out, especially those words. Sophie Johnson. Did I say so? Oh, I said Sophia. That's the other. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm bad with names. Um, today, we have a very special speaker. Uh, last week, Parker and Jess were up here from the Hoy family. What a joy that was. And here we are again, but this time it is a brother that just lives up the road. Um, as many of you know, Bethany Farm, Bethany Camp, uh, was started, what, 25 years ago, 24, 27 years ago. Um, everybody knows that when Treva Turpin starts praying, things happen. God acts. God listens. Um, that's a good reminder to all of us to pray and to be fervent and honest about those prayers. And Treva is a great example to all of us with, when it comes to that. So thank you. And as a result of her prayer, her grandson is here. And uh, Dan Turpin is the son of Tim, who they're from Chicago area, if I recall. Um, they come out every year a few times, and it's just a joy to have them here. And the camp has now been blessed with Dan and his beautiful wife that have been at the camp now for two years, but roughly two years, under the guidance and direction of Ken and Sue. And we just are so thankful to have our brothers that have that are now at the Bethany Church up Beth. It's the it's called Bethany Farm, correct? Beth, Bethany Farm Camp, but the church is called Bethany Evangelical. Okay, so it is our. These are our brothers, not really cousins, but brothers. So, Dan, we're just uh, very grateful and thankful to have you come on up. Why don't you come on up and? Um, we're just thankful to have him here, and afterward we will pray. You've got it on? Let's see. Right on. There it is. Okay, can everybody hear me okay? All right. Good morning, church. Such a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. Um, man, I have to thank you guys. I have to start by thanking you guys because you guys have been a huge support for Bethany um, in many different ways. But the greatest way you guys have been a support for Bethany is through raising some really awesome kids uh, because your kids have been our counselors for years and uh, they did such a great job. We had such a great camp this year and, and last year and the year before that. Um, and it's really all the staff and the people that help that make it as good as it is. So uh, like, like Larry said, um, three camps ago, two years ago, uh, my grandma and my grandpa, Treva and Bill Turpin, were praying that me and my wife, Mel, would come here uh, to, to serve uh, and be on staff at Bethany. And, uh, you know, we felt the Lord leading us to do that. Their prayers are powerful. And so uh, here we are. Uh, 
Um, and the Lord really works in amazing ways because I would come here to this church actually when my grandma was here years ago when I was a little kid coming to visit for uh, uh, vacation and, and uh, different holidays. We would come here to church and I would be sitting there as a little kid and never thought I'd be up here. So God really works in mysterious ways and, uh, you know, yet not I, but through Christ in me, right? So very glad to see what he is doing. Um, now, Bethany Camp, if you don't know much about it, we, like he said, have been going for 27 years, and uh, we average about 30 to 40 kids, I would say, per camp. We run through the month of June, and uh, we, we have ages 7 to 10 the first week. The second week is ages uh, 11 to 13, and then uh, all the way through high school for the last week. So uh, we kind of cover all the age ranges, um, and uh, yeah, we really have a great time out there. For a while, I was wondering, what is it about Bethany that, that the kids love so much? Because we have some different ministries that we do um, throughout the year, like Kids for Christ, KFC. And uh, the kids, we see them throughout the year at this. And they're always talking about camp and how they're excited to come back. And I'm like, what is it about our camp? Because we don't have a zip line. We don't have the motorboats with tubing. We don't have some of these crazy expensive things. And so I asked myself, what is it that the kids really are so excited about? And after being here for a few years, I've realized that those things aren't what make Bethany special. What makes Bethany special is that we have people who love the Lord, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who want to shower love on these kids and spend time with these kids and just hang out with them. And it, it creates this great environment where uh, the kids feel safe, loved, and they feel like they can um, learn more about the Lord. So that's really what makes camp special, along with a lot of fun games and activities. So actually, we have a video for you guys of this year, 2023 camp, uh, that I would like to show. So if we could pull that up.
Yeah, I'm just watching that video, just remembering all the good times we had. And man, it was an awesome year. Um, that, that last thing you saw there was our campfire time. So at the end of uh, each camp, we have a little campfire time the last night where we, well, first we just hang out and have s'mores, um, but then we actually go into a time of worshiping and uh, we open up the floor for anyone who wants to share testimonies um, or any story in their life just about what God has done. Um, we open the floor for that. And that's really where we see um, what God has been doing in a lot of the hearts of the kids during camp. So that's probably our favorite time. And, and actually, we had a really awesome time with the high schoolers during then. The best one I've ever seen, um, just with a lot of worship. And um, I could, you could just really uh, tell that the Lord had been working throughout the week. Um, now, you may have seen some really cool shelters in that video and uh, some uh, different fires that the kids were making and things like that. That's because our theme for this year was survival. So we uh, had the kids going out into the, into the timber that we have, and we were teaching them how to build a fire, how to purify water, um, how to build a shelter, these kind of things. And uh, then at, at night, we would have our session, and I would talk about spiritual survival. Like if they purify water in the morning, I would talk to them about how Jesus is the living water, um, that when you, uh, when you have him, you'll never be thirsty again. Um, and so that was our theme there. Now, I thought about doing that same theme for the high schoolers, um, but I know my youth group kids pretty well. I also do the youth group at Bethany, and uh, I know that if they thought it was a survival camp where they're going to be sleeping out in the woods with the bugs and stuff like that, I know my high schoolers probably wouldn't want to show up. So we decided that we should uh, do something different. And uh, what we ended up going with was um, basically questions of Jesus to his disciples. So for example, um, like I would ask a question like, uh, that Jesus asked to the disciples, um, like, who do you say that I am? So I would ask them, who do you say that Jesus is? And we would talk about all the different wrong things in the world of what people are saying about Jesus, um, that he's just a, a great moral teacher or that he's not really the son of God. We talk about all these different things and we talk about who he really is and how important it is that we believe in who the Bible says Jesus is. Um, we also talked about the question, will you leave me too? There's a lot of things in this world that are pulling uh, our kids away from, from Jesus that are trying to get their attention and uh, lead them away, lead them astray. We identified those things, and I also asked the question, do you love me? Uh, well, do you love Jesus? Um, and uh, we have to look at our lives and see, does our lives really reflect that we really love and want to follow Jesus? Um, and finally, the last question was, why are we so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Jesus asked his disciples this question. And uh, this question is pretty relevant for us during the camp period because we, uh, at camp, we, we go through a lot of anxiety and stuff before camp, like getting ready for everything. There's a lot to get done, a lot of things to organize, things to line up. And we worry, oh, will enough kids show up? Will there be too many kids? Will we not have enough space? Oh, will we have enough helpers? You know, all these different things that we worry about, right? And uh, we have to remind ourselves, you know, to trust in the Lord. And, uh, and so Jesus actually asked this question to his disciples, why are you so afraid? And I want to ask that question to you guys this morning as well. Let's, let's think about what is it that we're worried about right now? What anxiety do we have? What fears do we have in our lives? It doesn't take too long usually to figure out what we're worried about because that's kind of how worrying works. We have it on our minds all the time. So think of that and we're going to talk about Jesus's diagnosis of how we can um, overcome our fear. 
That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you guys could turn for me in your Bibles to Mark 4.35. Mark 4.35 is the passage. This is where that question comes from. Mark 4.35. I will start reading it for us here. Verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. So the context of this passage, guys, is that Jesus has just been uh, healing many people. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching to many people. Um, And now he has said, hey, let's go across the Sea of Galilee. Let's go across to the other side. There's actually other boats of other followers of Jesus that are going with them, that are going to follow Jesus. And Jesus has been working extremely hard. And in this passage, we actually get to see a little bit of Jesus' manhood here because Jesus falls asleep. He's tired. He's exhausted. He's been working so hard. And as a man, he actually needs rest, just like all of us. And so he is sleeping in the boat. And uh, now the, the disciples, remember, many of them were fishermen. Many of the disciples were fishermen. And so they're very familiar with this sea, specifically. This is where they grew up. This is the sea they worked on all their lives with their fathers and as adults. And uh, they would be very familiar with how to handle a storm, how to captain a ship. But uh, the wind picked up, and uh, it was crazy. They, they were freaked out. They didn't know how to handle this. It must have been pretty bad for these fishermen to not be able to handle it. Uh, now, the Sea of Galilee is about five miles across. Uh, so it was a, a decent journey, not too bad, but a few hours probably. And the Sea of Galilee was known to have these crazy windstorms that would just pick up out of nowhere and make crazy waves and white caps because of the way the mountains and ridges are around the sea. And so this was not unusual for the sea to look really calm, and then boom, it's a storm. So the disciples are now trying to handle this. The waves are crashing into the boat, and uh, they realize that it's out of their control. It's out of their control. And so this is where fear starts to build up in them. They come to Jesus And they're freaked out, and they ask for his help. And Jesus comes out, and he says, Peace, be still. Now, as Larry said, I grew up in Chicago. And if you guys know anything about Chicago, uh, you may have heard that it's nicknamed the Windy City. Well, let me tell you, that's actually false, because the state of Iowa is what's actually windy. Okay, Chicago is not windy compared to Iowa. Um, it's crazy here. I've never experienced wind like I have in Iowa. Um, like trying to set up a picnic or, uh, you know, trying to work outside, laying out a tarp or something like that. It's just usually results in some kind of a disaster at some point. Um, so I've learned that the wind can be very frustrating. 
And I've tried this. I've said, wind, peace, be still. I've tried it a number of times, but guess what? Nothing ever happens. It never works because I'm just me. I'm just Dan. I'm just a camp director. I'm, I'm nothing special. I can't stop the wind. I can't control the weather. I'm, I don't have that ability. I don't have that power. But Jesus just told the wind to cease, to stop, and it listened to him. He has authority over the wind. And notice where the authority is. He doesn't pray and ask God, God, would you stop the wind? He simply just commands the wind to stop. It's, this is out of his own authority. And so we actually see in this passage, we see two really cool things. We get to see Jesus' uh, humanity, and we also get to see Jesus' deity. We get to see God and man in the story. Power over the weather, Power over all creation, but needs to take a nap after working hard. It's quite incredible. But now Jesus goes ahead and he actually rebukes the disciples after he calms the storm. He calms this storm, he rebukes the disciples, and he says, Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And so this takes me to the first point. Our fear is great because our faith is small. When our fear is really big, if we take a look at our faith, we're probably going to see that in that moment, it's quite small. When our faith is really big, when we have faith in the Lord, our fear will be small. When we put our faith in God, it removes that fear. And when we doubt, when the doubt creeps in, the fear grows. There's a correlation between the two things. In this passage, uh, the word afraid in Greek is delos. Delos. This word is only used three times in the New Testament. It's used in this account, also in the account, this is the same story in Matthew. Um, and this word is used one other time in Revelations 21.8. Um, it says, but as for the cowardly, as for the delos, is, is the word, the same word there. But as for the delos, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This word is used in a negative context, as you can see. This is not a good thing. They, it's not good to be afraid. This is a bad thing, and it's used in a negative context here. It, this word really means like dread or terror um, it's like a hopeless fear, a fear that doesn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what this fear is. And so when we doubt God's word, our fear grows. Uh, it's really when we doubt God and when we doubt God's word that our fear is going to grow in our lives. At camp, I got to see a little bit of this. Uh, we play th these crazy games at camp each year. We, we work together to, as counselors to come up with some creative ideas for different games. And we did this one this year that was um, a survival game, but it was like a scavenger hunt where we have the kids go out and they're looking for different supplies they need to survive, like firewood and water and that kind of stuff. But all the while, we have the counselors spread out throughout the timber and uh, they had face paint on and they're dressed up like uh, wild animals, bears and cougars. And, you know, some of these counselors are, are very good artists that we have. And so they make these guys look pretty realistic and, uh, you know, we got some big football player counselors that, I mean, 
I almost mistake them for a bear. I'm not kidding you. And uh, they're pretty scary. Now the kids, of course, we explain the game to them before they go out there and they're asking questions. And I say, there's going to be wild animals out there. So watch out, be real quiet. And then the kids raise their hand, excuse me, is it going to be a a real wild animal? And I'm like, no, it's not actually a real wild animal. It's just your counselors, right? And I tell them that. So now they go out and they play this game and they have that word of mine. They have that word. They are not real animals. They're not. And they remember that word, right? But here's the thing. Half of them are terrified out there and they're screaming and they're running away when they see the wild animals and they come to me and say they don't want to play anymore. And so I'm confused. I'm like, guys, it's just your counselors. Five minutes ago, you were just playing carpet ball with them and laughing and having fun. And now you still know it's your counselors, but you're terrified. Why? Well, they don't believe me. They see that counselor and they say, that looks like a wild animal. He's growling like a wild animal. Dan said it's not a wild animal, but I think it's a wild animal. And then they get scared because they doubt my word. They don't believe me. And that's the problem. That's the problem with us. We have so many different things in God's word telling us different things about God that are amazing, that we should be holding on to, that we should have faith in. But we oftentimes doubt that those words are are true. Um, Now, Satan has been doing this since the beginning of time. This is Satan's oldest trick, right? His oldest trick in the book is to try to get us to doubt God's word. What did he say to, uh, to Eve to try to get her to eat the fruit? He said, did God really say you will surely die? Did God really, really say that? And he used doubt to get Eve to eat of the fruit and Adam as well. And then after that, what happened, right? They sinned and then they were afraid. They ran and they hid from God. They were afraid because they doubted God's word and it caused them to sin. And so Satan has been doing this and still does this to this day in many different ways, many different attacks. But two big ways that I can see in our world right now is God's goodness and God's faithfulness. That's what Satan wants to attack in our lives. Uh, Psalms 107.1 says this about God's goodness. Here's a great passage to reflect on about God's goodness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. What a great verse. But nowadays, people, they don't believe that verse. A lot of people in the world think that God can't really be good because of all this, these things that are happening. And what about uh, all those people hungry over there? And what about that warlord over here? And and how could God be good if my sister has cancer? And, And these types of things, right? This is one of the biggest questions I hear from youth group kids. Uh, But we also have this verse of encouragement, right? This is the verse that we hold on to in times of doubt. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, right? We know that God can use any of of those situations for good and will for those who love him, for those who follow him. All these things are going to be used for their good in some way. And we can have trust and faith in God that whatever situation we're in, God will still be good at the end of it. God will use that situation for good. He's promised it to those who love him. Now, God doesn't promise earthly prosperity, but you know what he does promise? Heavenly eternity. And that's where we put our faith. Now, God's faithfulness is always attacked as well. 
Satan is always trying to attack God's faithfulness. Here's one of my favorite verses of all time. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Many times we feel abandoned. Many times we feel like God isn't going to do whatever he did before again. That God, yes, he provided before. Yes, he parted the Red Sea. Yes, he did all these things for all the people in the Bible, but maybe he's not going to do it for me this time right now. I don't know. And we start to feel doubt, like maybe we won't have uh, enough funds at the end of the month for our family. And oh man, money's looking slimmer than it's ever looked. How are we going to pay for this and that? And we start to doubt, is God really going to come through for me and my family? And we doubt that God's going to come through for us again. But let me tell you that God will always be faithful. The Bible talks about this over and over again, that God is always going to be faithful. And it's as simple as that, trusting, believing that he, the Bible is saying the truth. That's all it is. And there's this song, Do It Again by Elevation Worship. I love the lyrics. Let me read it for you. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won. For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Rest in that, guys. Remember that Jesus is always going to be faithful in our lives. At camp, we, we can feel uh, quite afraid sometimes in terms of God's faithfulness, too, because uh, we, we oftentimes see a lot of kids that have really bad behavior issues, and, and we're working with them for years, and we don't see a lot of change and we're like, God, are you really working through this ministry? Are you really working in these kids' hearts? Is, is anything happening? Is there any point to this? And we, we start to wonder that sometimes. Um, but this year at camp, we, we saw something amazing happen. Uh, there's this little girl that, that has had these really bad behavior issues with us, throwing these crazy temper tantrums all the time. And uh, we actually had to send her home from KFC a handful of times. We've had to uh, send her home from camp last year even um, because it was just too bad. And so this year throughout KFC, we kept seeing her and, and she, she keeps talking about how excited she is for camp. And we're like, okay, well, that's great. And she's saying that she's, she's not going uh, she's, she's to be sent home this year. This year, she's going to make it through the whole time. We're like, that's awesome, right? And this year at camp, she, I mean, it was like that. She was great. She didn't throw any temper tantrums. She was so pleasant to be around. Uh, it was like a whole new little girl, and, and she was, was reading the Bible all the time, like by herself, and, and uh, she even eventually asked if she could accept Jesus into her heart. And so she, we sat down, and we talked with her, and, and she just wanted to keep talking about God's Word all the time. This girl's like nine years old, and uh, she comes from a really rough family. We, we know about her situation, and it's just amazing that God has been working in her heart. Um, and we got to see this because she even invited us to see her journal that she wrote. And she wrote some incredible things in there. Apparently, she would, she would read God's word. She would read the Bible. And then she would write in her journal like a paraphrased version of the Bible, like saying what uh, that means in her own words. And so she would be saying things like, Jesus is the son of God. He died for my sins so that I can be with him forever. Stuff like that. It's like, wow, this... Little girl's like a theologian now. It's just like, wow. 
God does work, God is faithful, and God is moving in these kids' lives even when it doesn't appear that way, even when Satan wants to tell us that he's not. We have to trust that God loves these kids a million times more than we do, right? So, God is faithful. Let's look at verse 41 here. Let's move on. Verse 41, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. So the disciples realize that Jesus is something more than maybe they realized before, or they're seeing evidence of it right here, that Jesus is God. That's what they see. Now, the word here, so uh, in this passage, it actually says, well, the interesting thing is it says, they were filled with great fear, and said that, who is this, right? So they actually were filled with fear when they realized who Jesus was. So actually their faith just grew, but their fear also grew. So you guys are probably thinking, Dan, what are you talking about, right? You just said our, our fear is supposed to get small, right? When, when our faith gets big. Well, there's actually a different word here uh, in Greek for the word fear. If you look, uh, when, when it says that they were afraid, it uses the word phobeo. It's a different word. There are two different words for fear in Greek. Um, now, this word is, is used the majority of the time. Uh, it has multiple um, different contexts that it, it can be used in. Um, but every time that the, the idea of the fear of the Lord is brought up in the New Testament, anything about the fear of the Lord or fear God, it always uses this word phobeo. So, what this word really means in this context is to be, a, uh, to be in awe or to have reverence, to marvel at, to um, have a new respect for. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a fear, it's, it's a worry, but it's, it's not like a terror, like a hopeless, like, oh no, it's not like that kind of a fear. Um, and so I would compare it like this. Uh, John Piper actually explains it this way, that uh, the fear of the Lord is, is like, it's kind of like, uh, like how you may fear a big dog. I don't know if we have any dog people in here, but big dogs are some of the kindest, nicest, loving dogs that you could have, right? And some of them are huge and scary looking, right? But they're actually really sweet and they just want to lick you and they're never going to bite you. Um, and some, some people feel very comfortable leaving their kids with a big dog because big dogs are very protective um, and uh, will protect your child from, from harm. But now, if you saw your kid grabbing that dog's tail and yanking it, right, and, and, you know, messing with the dog, and the dog started to growl a little bit, you're probably going to pick up your kid and get out of the room, or, or at least, you know, remove your child from that situation, because you're going to feel afraid of what that dog may do, because that child is making himself an enemy of that dog. And we want to be on that dog's side, right? And that's kind of what it's like. Uh, Isaiah actually gets to see God firsthand. If you've ever read the account of Isaiah, uh, he actually has a vision of God, and he is filled with fear. Uh, Isaiah stood before the Lord in his throne room, and it's this incredibly vivid scene uh, describing the majesty and wonder of the Lord. And Isaiah falls on his face, and he is utterly terrified. Here's what he says um, in uh, Isaiah 6, 5. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Isaiah realizes that he is a sinner, that he is not clean before the Lord, and he wants not to be in that place where he is, is filled with sin and God is so holy. He sees his sinfulness and God's holiness, and the gap between that is terrifying to him. It's terrifying for him to see that, that he deserves to be destroyed. He understands that firsthand. A lot of people say that when they stand before the Lord, well, I'm going to have a question for him, and I'm going to ask him about this and that, and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him, why'd you do that, God? And, and they think they're going to maybe have some kind of debate with God. That's not going to happen. Nobody is going to debate or question anything about God. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to be standing there questioning him. You're going to be on your face terrified. That's what it's like to be before God and be in sin. That's what it's like. It's a terrifying experience. So Isaiah has this delos, right? That's really what we see there, this delos, this terror, this hopeless fear before the Lord laying there because he's a sinner. And so what God does is he sends an angel to bring a burning coal to his lips. And this symbolizes that he is being um, redeemed, right? That he is being cleansed. His lips, his unclean lips are being cleansed before God. And so his sin is being removed before him and God. And the next thing we see is God is asking who will go and speak to my people, who will be a prophet to my people. And now we don't see this delos that Isaiah has. We actually see that he, he has confidence before God. He says, here I am, send me. And it's like he has this whole new relationship with God, volunteering to actually be a servant of God. And that's what phobeo is with the Lord. That's this uh, respectful fear, this reverence, this awe of God. It's a whole new thing because you don't have the he doesn't have the sin making that separation. And so that's actually what Jesus does for us. That's what Jesus does for us. He takes away that guilt, that sin. He takes that out of the picture so that we can have a similar relationship with God. The thing is, guys, there are many storms that we're going to face in our lives. There are many, many storms, right? I'm sure we've all faced them before. And the thing is, there's actually an even bigger storm coming. The biggest storm of all. Ten times bigger, a billion times bigger than every storm anyone has ever experienced. It's coming. It's coming. There is no avoiding it. And this storm is called God's wrath. It is impending. And the only way out of this storm is through the blood of Jesus. The only way to have protection from this storm is to be sheltered from God. The same God who has wrath coming is the same God that will shelter us from that wrath. We find shelter in God through Jesus Christ. The fear of God, that fear of him, that respect and that awe of him is what creates a thankfulness and a love for him when we're standing in that shelter and we know of the wrath that is coming, that we've been saved from that. The fear of the Lord is what, is what grows us and causes us to become more like Jesus. Fear of the Lord replaces fear of the storm. When we fear the Lord, we have no reason to fear the storm. Place your fear in the right place with the right fear. And that fear is in the Lord. Respect him. Follow him. Be on his team. That is how we find strength in the storm. We can actually sleep like Jesus did in the boat. We can sleep in the boat and have peace while that storm is going on because we can be 100% confident in the word of God that Jesus' salvation is enough. 
It's enough for us. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to work and, and prove something to God. We don't need to earn anything because just having faith and believing in Jesus and being a part of his sacrifice is enough for us to be in that boat safe and sound, safe from the storm. So I want to encourage all of you guys today to remember that God's word is holy, that it is true, that it is trustworthy, that you can put your faith in it, that it will not lead you astray. And encourage those around you who are dealing in storm, with storms in their lives, that, that the ultimate storm, is they're kept from that. And so they don't need to be afraid. They can trust in the word. They can trust in the promises of God. And honestly, there's no reason to fear death because death has lost its sting. One day we'll be in eternity with Christ and there will be no reason to fear anything ever again. There's no reason because Jesus has solved every tear. He has, he has taken away all the pain, the suffering. Won't that be an awesome day when we can all be there together and we don't have to worry about any storm ever again? Look forward to that day because it's coming for all of us who believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. Thank you that we can actually come to you, Lord, and be sheltered by you, that we don't need to be afraid in a terrible way, but we can be afraid in a way that, that you protect us, Lord. You love us. We can fear you, and that fear is actually what keeps us sheltered, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for your word and your promises. We surely do not deserve it. So thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us, for your great saving grace. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys.